Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan and something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar, and full contact, and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model, at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. On today's Coaching Coordinator podcast, I'm joined by Micah Kurtz, who was the 2018 National Strength and Conditioning Association Coach of the Year and has just done an excellent job with uh, the programs he's worked with. And we're excited to have him back here and talk about some things that you can pass along to your athletes so that uh, you can help them continue to develop athletically and physically here in this time. And I know right now we really don't know when this is going to end. So we want you to be proactive and, and send that information out. So, Coach Kurtz, thank you for taking the time, and it's great to have you here. Yeah, great to be back. Great to be back. I appreciate you inviting me back on. So, Coach, I'm sure you've had a ton of these questions and have been able to formulate a pretty consistent answer now. So, looking at this time, you know, what what tips do you give or what's the plan you can give us to to keep our athletes improving and, I guess, taking a little bit of advantage of the time they have off as well? 
Yeah, exactly. It's I think I, it's like kind of a two-part answer. Like, um, really, with this do- downtime and these l- lack of structure and 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 not you know, being thrown off your normal schedule. I mean, I've talked to a lot of my athletes who've reached out and tried to spin it in a positive way. This is a, this is just a huge window of opportunity that you can really, really separate yourself from from other other athletes, other people, other of your peers that maybe are not going to be taking advantage of this downtime because without this structure of of their daily workouts at their school or whatever gym they're going to, many will many will will slack off. And so this opportunity for those who who really seize it, it's an opportunity to get stronger, faster, more explosive, get smarter in whatever areas of the game they play, whatever positions they play to, to study the game. And, and they can really use this time to separate themselves. So that's one thing. And then, I mean, I, those, those athletes that are really motivated and have, have really gotten stronger and faster and bought into their strength and conditioning program, those are really the ones that are, are reaching out to me a lot that are, are nervous and they're like, Hey, I've made all these gains. I'm worried about my strength gains going down. I don't have a, I don't have a gym to go to. I don't have access to weights. And I really try and reassure them. I think everything gets a little bit blown out of proportion. Obviously I know this, this virus is, is spreading quick, but I also think the media can sensationalize it as well. And so it's also, I think people sometimes blow out of proportion how how quickly you can lose your strength gains. And so really strength and uh, strength and aerobic capacity, the gains that you make, the adaptations that you make, those can really stay with you pretty much for 30 days with, with minimal, with minimal training. So, I mean, if you've gotten extremely strong, if you've done a great job in your off season and you're just staying consistent with body weight workouts, you're not really going to lose much of your strength gains. The one thing, the thing that does, the thing that does go quicker is your speed and your power effect, your speed and your power. And so that, that leaves within anywhere from five to seven days, according to studies. And, but the good thing about that is there's so much you can do for speed and power without, you don't need to do the Olympic, Olympic weightlifting movements. I mean, Get out there and run fast, run sprints, jump, bound. If you have some type of med ball or something, some med ball throws, you have access to a kettlebell or some type of way you can do kettlebell swings. But really, the things that go quicker are your speed and your power adaptations. And and so I highly recommend you getting out there and, and put force into the ground and the, the good thing about it is you, you can do that without weights and you can do that on your own and get out in your yard or in the street or in the driveway and, and, and run some sprints and do some explosive broad jumps and, and vertical jumps and jump vertical jump to broad jump. And any of that stuff's going to help really maintain those, those speed and power adaptations. Yeah, I think you make some important points there and I appreciate you especially sharing those numbers on how those those gains might start to decrease and so I think the best would be if we could just put together you know a basic kind of protocol for each of those so we let's attack the strength side of it first right we've been in the weight room we've been 
doing a lot of presses or cleans or lunges or whatever it might be to, to build squats, to build up our strength. If you could go through, I guess, you know, over the course of a week, kind of just frame out something basic that our high school athletes especially could use to to maintain that, and then we could attack the, the other side with the speed and explosion afterwards. And again, I think a lot of, a lot of our athletes, it, no matter if they've been in the weight room for, if they're high school athletes or college athletes, they've been in the weight room for the most experienced ones, might have been in there for three, four, five, six years of training. There's always, this is, there's, you always can improve your form and improve your technique. So one thing that you, they can really do during this time is really hone in on any limitations they may have if they struggle with the squat form where they have they have tight hips or tight ankles like this could be now this could be really a time to really kind of slow down and really hone in on on correcting any restrictions that you may have and and really improve your form so that when you do get back in the weight room you're going to be better for it so i i think as far as a strength workout that they that, that athletes can do i mean it, again, it's all going to be body weight. I mean, you're going to be able to do your your double-legged body weight squats. You can do single-leg squats, rear foot elevated squats with your foot behind you, lateral lunges, forward lunges, reverse lunges. All of that's going to be able to give you a great continue to be able to keep your, your strength gains. And so, I mean, I would recommend probably at least two days a week and and would try to make it more of a total body workout where you can you can hit your lower body with your le- your lunges, your squats, your your uh, your single leg squats, and then obviously you can do a lot of push ups. But again, you want to make sure that you're you're doing pulls. So if you have any type of chin up bar or even a band where you could do band pull aparts or or any way that you can f- figure out how to hit that upper posterior chain, you'll get a lot of lower posterior chain by being able to do some single leg hip thrusters and and even banded RDLs you could do. If you have a band, there's a lot that you can do. So I would try, I would recommend at least two days a week of total body workouts. And you can you can modify the the volume according to how how hard you want to work. You can modify the the tempo if you want to incorporate eccentric movements or you want to incorporate isometric holds. I mean, there's plenty of ways to to modify it to make it more difficult and then you can always you can always finish off your your workout with some type of some type of metabolic finisher where you're trying to do as many rounds of a few exercises as possible in a certain amount of time so i mean there's so much stuff that you can do and again like i said in the beginning like this is a way to get creative this is a way to to attack your weaknesses and this is definitely a time for for those motivated athletes to separate themselves from their peers who may not be doing this stuff so that takes us to the speed and power side, which you said starts to diminish. Those gains start to diminish after five to seven days. So that's going to be probably an area I'm sure our athletes are all aware of all those body weight things they can do. But this is an area that they want to make sure they stay on top of. So I guess with this, ideas for what as far as they should do and then you know the frequency, the rest periods, those kinds of things. Yeah, so whenever you're training for power, whenever you're training for speed, I mean, I make sure to really hammer this home to my athletes. I mean, when it's a speed day, I hammer into them and say, this is speed training. This is not conditioning. We're running whatever number of sprints. 
I'm going to give you 100% full recovery in between each sprint. But that means every single sprint, you need to go 100% full speed. I tell them all the time, in order to be fast, you need to train fast. So if you're not running a sprint full speed, it's, it's not speed training. You're not getting faster. So I think that's one thing that I wouldn't, I would talk to everybody listening. I mean, don't worry about going out and running a mile or running gassers. Like I would, I would focus on getting optimal power and speed work in, in having full recovery in between. In between. And again, I would recommend that two to three times a week. And it could be one day could be speed training. One day could be some type of agility training. One day could be more of a plyometric and footwork training. So, I mean, just off the top of my head, you could do the first day of the week, you could do, you could do speed training. I'd recommend anywhere from eight to 15 sprints, depending on the distances, obviously the shorter distance, the more sprints you're going to be able to run. If you're going to, so just a rough guideline off the start. I mean, you could, you could run four 10 yard sprints, four 20 yard sprints, and then like two 40 yard sprints. And that would be a great day right there after a full dynamic warm up and cool down. Uh, and then the next day could be an agility day. And again, going back to using this time to really hone in and, and, and hone in on your weaknesses. I mean, there's so much body control and learning how to absorb force and shin angles and, and, and body position and change of direction and agility. Like this is a time where you can really, really take your time and focus on, on proper shin angles and proper, we talk about edges and angles in, in our agility training, where when you get in and out of your brakes, you want to feel that you want to feel the proper edges of your feet. If you're, if you're changing direction, you want, but the body weight, body weight on the inside edge of one foot and the outside edge of another foot and then angles or getting proper shin angles and, and, and the ability that your core plays into being able to change direction. If you want to change direction, your, your upper body also has to be in the proper angle to be able to change direction. So this is a time where you can really take your time where a lot of times when we're doing agility training with a big team, we're just running, we're, we're running through as many reps with as many kids as possible. This is a time where you can really slow down and focus on good body control. Um, so again, I mean, there's so many things you can do for agility training, the, the, the NFL combined, uh, drills, the, the five ten five shuttle, the, the L drill, the T drill. And then, um, I mean, any types of box drills or, or, or X drills you want to do. There's so much stuff out there. Um, and then you could do uh, just a plyometric day where you're incorporating vertical jumps and broad jumps and, and leaps and bounds. And then, I mean, the tried and true, which is one of the best exercises you can do. And a lot of us, uh, have gotten away from it is just jumping rope. I mean, that is one of the best things that you can do for, for low level plyometrics and for building up your aerobic endurance. Um, so, I mean, I think a good, uh, yeah, yeah. And then you'd be shocked at how many kids don't know how to do it. So again, to use this time to, uh, to, 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 to learn a new skill and, and to, like you said, the old school jump rope. But I mean, I think, I think a good starting point would be doing a speed day one day a week, doing a, a change of direction, agility day one day a week, and then a plyometric day one day a week. So I want to go back to the speed day in the sprints. 
and um, it actually, I mean, I'm thinking back, and it was for me somewhere, I don't know how long I was into my career, maybe five, six years into my career, and I'm out watching track practice, and, you know, watching these guys run their sprints, and in between, they've got all kinds of time off. They're stretching a little bit, but, I mean, they're literally, like, doing, I'm like, this is track practice? Like, wow. Well, the whole thing is they're working on improving speed, and so there has to be a proper recovery time there, and and for the most part, what we do as football coaches, and definitely what I was doing before I, uh, I made that connection, was not really allowing much recovery time, which now we're only working on conditioning. We're not doing things that are going to build the speed. So I think the best thing, again, because there's time, right, because we're not running a, a million guys through, you have the time in your own workouts, what is the, the rest recovery time that's necessary between those sprints? And I know it's going to vary on, on distance and really time of the sprint. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend any, anywhere from 10 to 20 times your work to rest. So if you run a, a five-second 40, I mean, at a minimum, at a minimum of 50-second rest in between. Um, that'd be 10 times. I mean, and then up to 20, I mean, you're, you're resting about two minutes and that's even like you said, that's even going to be a little bit less rest than you're going to see at a traditional track practice. Obviously they're going to be running further distances than a 40 yard dash a lot of times. But I mean, I would say a minimum of 10 times work to rest ratio. Yeah, I think that it's very important here. And the other part, I guess we didn't address, we talked you know, about all these aspects. I think this is a really good time to work on flexibility and hip mobility, which are so important to an athlete. I can't tell you how many times when talking to a coach or, you know, guys looking at recruiting a kid or sitting in a room looking at a meeting saying, hey, he's too stiff for us. 100%. Uh, yeah, 100%. And so, again, that's a time, this is a time when you have so much more freedom and lack of structure and ability to do do really focus on yourself and take that initiative so yeah if you're stiff, if you're stiff if you uh, if you if you know you have tight hips if you know you have tight ankles like now is the time to re- to really 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 focus on it and i mean there's so much the good thing is i mean we got we got time and and, and everybody has Pretty much everybody has a computer and the internet, and there's so much information out there that you can get just by Googling, just by going on YouTube. And so I highly, highly agree with what you're saying. Like, this is the time to really focus on getting getting more flexible and, and attacking any weaknesses that you have. I know one of our favorite things to do is, was with the hurdles, and it, we have been doing these uh, – a long time back from when I was coaching high school, but I've seen it make its way into, you know, the activation period, the dynamic warm up for a lot of college practices is the hurdles. You're going to see hurdles out there and guys both working to step over those the proper way. And, and there's, I mean, there's some key details to that as well as go under those things. And while none of us have hurdles sitting around our, our house or in our yard, very easy to take a rope or a you know a, a a broomstick and you know put that across two chairs or something like that attach a rope to a 
couple trees and be able to work those exact mobility drills because you don't need a series of those. You could just go back and forth. Exactly, exactly. It's it's time to get creative, and I love what you. I was thinking just uh, you could use it just for one leg, just stepping over a chair, where it's going one way on one leg and one way on the other leg. But I mean, I just listening to you right there. Put two chairs together and uh, and put a broomstick on them, and 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 you got a you got a hurdle right there. So I mean, it's again, it's a time to be creative, and there's so much stuff that you can do without the the luxuries of of a full weight room and, and hurdles and, and everything that we we've grown accustomed to coach from the other side of this, the side I think is important as well, kind of the psychological, the emotional side of, of dealing with this too. There's for athletes. We're so in tune with a game coming up, a season coming up is something at the end of this that we're working for any recommendations in, and uh and how to handle the unknown there is there is not necessarily a target right now because we're not sure when this might end i actually so i don't know if you know jeremy boone jeremy boone's an unbelievable strength coach and he's also gone into coaching leadership and and i was just on a call with him yesterday and i had some great pieces of advice for all of us for for our athletes and then also for us as coaches where we're going through this time of uncertainty and we're all very anxious and we're all workaholics. And I think the only one that that's working nonstop now is you with all, all your interviews you guys lined up. But I think a great exercise is we could, <laughs> you could reach out to your, and some, some, I know people do this have already done this and since football season has already ended where you already had your end-of-the-year banquets and everything. But a great thing, if you haven't done, or a great thing to revisit is reach out to all of your seniors that just finished and have them write a legacy letter about about their time with the program. About And really, I think one way to make it even better is write about their jersey number and, and what it meant to them, the trials and tribulations they went through, what how it helped influence who they are, and write that letter about that their jersey number, and then and then they can pass that on to whoever's going to wear that jersey number next year. And so it's a way for them to stay connected. It's a way for for that guy who's going to be taking over that number to really to really have more is going to mean more to him. So in that aspect for the athletes, I think that's one way for them to continue to stay connected and stay keep their mind off what's going on a little bit and, and really to be able to reminisce about uh, all the great things that, they, they, that they've gone through as part of the team and, and in football. And then for coaches, I mean, we have, we're going nonstop and now we have a little bit of downtime. And I mean, I think coaches could take the time to, to write a note to each senior, a handwritten note to each senior on their team. Or even, I mean, we got a lot of time, who knows how long, write a handwritten note to every one of your players on your team and uh, just talk about what they meant to the team and, and, and how much they meant to you for sure. And then even going further than that, which is something that I'm going to definitely attack here in these next few weeks is write a note to, to the parents of your seniors or if you have the time to the parents of all of your players and, and just talk to them about how it's been an honor partnering with them to help their, their child reach their maximum potential. And, that's going to go a long ways to, 
to building the culture on your team, building buy-in on your team, which everybody wants and everybody talks about, and just being able to get get everybody to stay connected during this time and, and kind of get their mind off of all the crazy news that's going on. Exactly. Incredible ideas there, Coach, both from the strength and conditioning side as well as how to handle this uh, some of this time and, and really the connection and, and uh, the suggestions for the letters, I think, are incredible. I really appreciate you taking the time here with us. For our coaches out there who might have a question or want to pick your brain a little bit, because I know that's happening quite a bit out here, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, I'm, obviously I've got time on my hand now, so I'm really active on social media. Twitter and Instagram is at KurtzM3, K-U-R-T-Z. M3, and then always, I got a, I got a website, theathletemaker.com, www.theathletemaker.com, and then feel free to email me as well. I definitely try to get back to all emails. My email is last name, first name, KurtzMicah at gmail.com. Coach, again, thank you for your time. It was great catching up with you here, and as I told you before, we got going. We'll have to connect, stay connected here and see what we can do for our coaches and our athletes on this podcast moving forward. Uh, you're the man. I appreciate all you're doing for, uh, for our profession. Thank you. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.